Listen, one of the reasons, I know one of the reasons you came to church this morning is because you want to know more about the Bible. You want to engage in the scriptures. You want to grow in your faith. Who doesn't want to do that? As a believer anyway, hopefully. You want to know God more deeply. You want to be healthier spiritually in your mind and your heart. I know that. You want to be a better dad or be a better mom or be a better husband or be a better wife. And you know that the scriptures can help you do that. Following the Bible will revolutionize someone's life. Guaranteed. But there are times, I have to admit it, that it seems hard to understand the Bible. There are moments when I'm reading the Bible and it just seems a little tough to get what it's saying. Have you ever been reading along in your Bible and you turn the page to a brand new book of the Bible and you start reading and then within just a few sentences you're just stumped? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what did I just do? I, I have no idea. What, what did that just say? You're trying, but you're getting lost uh, in that first chapter. There are some sections of the Bible that are somewhat cryptic, I guess. Maybe might be a word, for lack of a better word. Sometimes they are hard to understand. But every word of the Bible is very powerful. Amen. Even those parts that are sometimes tough to grasp at first glance. And those parts are just as much the word of God as the parts that are easier to understand, the parts about creation or the parts about Jesus or the parts about salvation. They are, these parts are just as important. One of those sections that I'm referring to right now is the Old Testament prophets. You know, the Old Testament prophets represent a large chunk, at least one-third, really, if you look at it, of the prophets in general, uh, represent at least one-third of our Bible. It's a huge chunk. Who were these prophets? And what was their role in history? And what was their role in the Bible? What were they there to do? I recently heard this about what a prophet was called to do in his time. And I liked how this was worded, and I want to share it with you. A prophet's task, it's here on the screen, a prophet's task was to reveal the spiritual fault lines hidden beneath the comfortable surface. Let me read that again. A prophet's task was to reveal the spiritual fault lines hidden beneath the comfortable surface. So true. Sometimes we might think of the prophets in the Old Testament or anywhere in the Bible as just foretellers. They're predictors of the future. But really, to be a prophet in the Bible was simply to be a mouthpiece for God. The word prophet in Hebrew simply means spokesman or a speaker. One who tells forth what God has said. They were, spent to, or they were sent by God to just say exactly what God told them to say. So sometimes they were foretellers of the future. And sometimes they were just forth-tellers. Just telling forth 
something that needed to be heard by the people around them. But what they were constantly doing was revealing something under the surface to the people they were talking to. There's something under the surface here that you need to hear. Nation, individual. There's something under the surface, county, city, whoever it may be, family. There's something under the surface that we need to hear and think about. We're going to look at one of these amazing prophets, and I'm kicking off this series on the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. And so we're going to look at this prophet named Jeremiah in the Bible. A man who is called to reveal the spiritual fault lines under the surface in the nation of Judah. By the way, in one sense, everybody in here, all of us, have a prophetic work to do. We're called, all of us are called to reveal what is under the surface here in, our, in America. We are. To speak forth the word of God. We not ha- may, have, may not have the office of a prophet, but all of us have the duty of preaching the word of God. With honesty. We, we have to keep telling our world and the people around us with honesty. And with passion. And with love. Everybody, there is, a, there is something under the surface that's not right. And don't just speak your words. I want to encourage everybody, don't just speak your words. When you're on social media and you're making your, your tweets or you're going on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you're doing, don't just use your words. Use God's words. Speak it at work. Don't just use your words to the, your, your coworkers. Use God's words. In your home, in the people around you, use God's words. Now, as we begin, I, wanna, I want everybody to know one thing about the book of Jeremiah. And this is right here at the very outset of the book. We're going to see that in just a moment. And that is that this is a book without a happy ending. There is no happy ending in the book of Jeremiah. In fact, it ends with the people of Jerusalem being sent into exile. The worst possible scenario. So the book of Jeremiah is a tragedy and not a comedy. And it's about really the moral unraveling of a nation. It's the sad story of the decline of God's people from faith to idolatry to exile. And it is this decline that makes Jeremiah the perfect prophet to speak to his time and to our time as well. Because we're living... In a very similar situation. He lived in a time very much like our own. When when people think that God doesn't matter. In everyday life. And you know. That's what we see around us. It's pretty clear that to anybody paying attention right now. That America. has, Has gone from Christian. To what some have termed in the 70s to the 2000s. Post Christian. To now what I would call non Christian. And California seems to be leading the charge. Did you see this this week? It made me sick to my stomach, to be honest with you. Uh, Our governor signed two abortion protection bills to protect abortion in our state. Governor Newsom said these words, exact quote. These are dark days. I don't think one can understate the consequential nature of the moment that we're living in. He was talking about what was happening in Texas and in other states. And he's saying it's so dark. 
It's so dark that we're not going to have that, the ability to abort our babies uh, easily. To him, that's a dark day, calling good evil and evil good. We're losing our ability to kill babies easily. This is, that made me just sick to my stomach. But it's not just in California. Ken Ham, uh, you may have heard of him, but he brought out something interesting several years ago in Barack Obama's book in 2010, The Audacity of Hope. And here's the quote that he brought out, and that is, this is Barack Obama speaking, whatever we once were, we are no longer. We are no longer just a Christian nation. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, a Buddhist nation, a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. That was back in 2010. The same decline that Jeremiah felt with his country that he was living in, that he loved, is the same decline that you and I feel right now with the nation that we care for and love. But it's not just political things that grieve us and that grieved Jeremiah. I'm sure everyone here grieves over an individual. I'm sure everybody in here grieves over someone. Young, they know, someone they know who has just lost their way. Someone young, someone old. We're seeing sin devastate people. And I know you are too. You have loved ones right now that you are praying for. Personal lives, marriages, families, people we love, destroyed because of some form of evil. Some of you have probably lost sleep over someone you love. You probably lose sleep a lot because of someone you love. If there is a prophet in the pages of Scripture that we could identify, anybody who's weeping for the nation, anybody who's weeping for an individual, Anybody who's weeping for someone they love, if there is a prophet that you would identify with, it is Jeremiah. He is called the weeping prophet. He even wrote a book called, that we call Lamentations, a lamenting. The, the, the rabbis, the Jew, ancient Jewish rabbis, they had a legend that Jeremiah was born weeping. When he came out of the, his mother's womb, he was already weeping. <laughs> it's, it's just a legend. Michelangelo on the on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, uh, painted Jeremiah hunched over, and it just shows the despair of Jeremiah, his sorrow that was gripping him in his heart, as, he, as if he was burdened with the great weight of his nation, what's going on around him in the lives of people. Jeremiah was an amazing prophet, but he was a weeping prophet. He was born into a tough, tough time. But Jeremiah was also a type or a, pic, a picture or an example of Jesus. Matter of fact, one day Jesus asked his disciples, he said, guys, uh, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? And he was getting them to think and, and uh, getting them to talk a little bit. And here's what they said, Matthew 16, verse 14. And they said, this is Jesus' disciples to Jesus, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias or Elijah coming back, come back from the dead. And others, Jeremiah's or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
See, the Jewish people saw something in Jesus that reminded them of Jeremiah, the prophet. It was probably his grief. It was probably his passion for Jerusalem. And it was probably his powerful prophetic words that Jesus gave. Jeremiah was a mighty, mighty prophet. And we're going to be diving into his book in, at, 9, at the 9.30 hour around here. But I want to start this morning by just looking at the call of Jeremiah here in, his, in the first few verses of Jeremiah chapter 1. So let's look at that and let's start with his personal history as we set up this amazing book of the Bible. The history of Jeremiah, number one. The history of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin. So, we have the son of, the, of Hilkiah, the priest. The son of Hilkiah, the priest. He was a PK. Jeremiah was a PK. He was a priest's kid. And uh, if you've been around church for very long, you know they call PKs, they're preacher's kids, PKs. So I, I identify. Which means... As a, pre- as a priest's kid, Jeremiah uh, knew what his role was when he grew up. It means his family's job was to take care of the temple, to make sacrifices, and to help the Jewish people with, all, with anything really pertaining to religion. And his family lived in a town called Anathoth, which was a town very near Jerusalem very important central place for uh, religious life for the Jews. Verse 2, to whom the Lord, or the, the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. King Josiah was one of the good kings in the Bible. There was a lot of bad kings that Israel and Judah had to deal with, but Josiah was one of the good ones. Josiah, the history there is that he became king at eight years old because of the wickedness of his own father and his early death. And so at eight years old, he becomes king and he needs guidance in life as an eight-year-old. And uh, in other places in the Bible, we see that there was a man, there was a priest during this young king's reign that was there really helping him and helping the nation uh, follow God. And that priest's name was Hilkiah, probably the same Hilkiah that was Jeremiah's father. This priest, Hilkiah, was helping the king get the nation back on track. Most likely, uh, this was that same man. Now, Jeremiah started hearing from the Lord in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, this king. So Josiah, when Josiah was about 21 years old... Jeremiah started to hear from God. By the way, this is probably about the same age that Jeremiah was. It's very likely that King Josiah and Jeremiah were born about around the same time. So most likely, Jeremiah was probably about 20 or 21 himself. Verse 3, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So this we get a quick summary of Jeremiah's ministry, even the sad ending. 
So Jeremiah says, I'm hearing from the Lord in between the time of Josiah all the way to Zedekiah. This is about 40 years, and it led to the captivity in Babylon. This, by the way, was the peak of Judah's disgusting rebellion against God. Idolatry was flourishing in, in Jerusalem, in, Ju- in Judah. And the law of Moses, the word of God was being pushed to the background. And before Josiah was king, his grandfather was one of the most wicked kings of them all. His name was Manasseh. He led them into just about the worst immorality the nation has, had ever, ever seen. Unspeakable, immoral things being done. They, in fact, they even came into the temple and turned the house of God into, the pla- into a place for some of the most despicable physical acts in the name of idolatry that we can't even talk about in this room. They even began the practice of killing babies, child sacrifice. And this is the nation that Jeremiah was born into. He was born during the days of Manasseh. And then there was a short reform. Josiah comes later on in the scene here, and Josiah brings a a reform, but not a a full revival, a full heart revival. There were fault lines still under the surface, and There was this reformation, and it's during this time that people are starting, Josiah helps the folks start turn to God, and, and, uh, and so this is the time Jeremiah begins to hear from the Lord. There's a time of reformation. There's something going on, but it hasn't taken deep, deep root in the hearts of people. But then Josiah dies, the king, and things go right back into evil mode with these new kings. Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. There was a couple other kings mixed in there, but they were only there for a couple months, and so they're not even really worth mentioning. And Jeremiah would have to remain faithful in this kind of environment no matter what was going on around him. And that's what we're going to see in the book of Jeremiah. Generally speaking, Jeremiah's ministry was like prophesying to a wall. It was like trying to preach to somebody who would never listen. Did you know we never see one convert from Jeremiah? Not one person that we see here. It's not like Jonah. You know, when Jonah went to Nineveh and he preached, the Bible says the whole town repented. But we don't see that in the book of Jeremiah. And this is what God wanted Jeremiah to do. You go to this nation and you weep and you proclaim the word of God. That is your job. And this whole book, the book of Jeremiah, was a, was a collection and is a collection of Jeremiah's prophecies, his, his songs, his poems, his pleadings to the people. Jeremiah's life was completely intertwined with his calling. His, he paid a steep, steep price personally in his ministry. He went to prison. He did not marry a steep, steep price in his own life. And we're, we'll see that as we go through the book of Jeremiah. Now let's look at how God calls him, though, into this ministry. Verses 4 and 5, the calling of Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came unto me. Then the word of the Lord came unto me. He's in this environment. 
The word of the Lord begins to speak in verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. Incredible. To think of how God had been ordaining all of this. Look at what God says. He says, Jeremiah, before I formed thee, I knew thee. Before I formed thee, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I was uh, sanctifying and ordaining you. Before. Did you know life does not begin at conception? Life actually begins before conception. It begins in the mind of God. God says, before I even started forming you, I knew you. I knew you. Every person is known by God before he or she is ever even conceived. Every person in this room. Now, don't tell me God does not care about what is happening to these precious unborn babies today. God formed every part of Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you, I formed you. God was in the womb forming Jeremiah. He was forming his body. He was forming his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions. He was forming his spirit. And he was forming it all to fit the job of prophet to the nations, it says. He was sanctified, or the word there means set apart. He was ordained, or it, which just means to give or to appoint or to assign. In other words, Jeremiah, I know you come from a long line of priests. But long before you were born, I, I set you apart and assigned you a different job. The job of prophet to the nations. This was a huge call. This was a huge change for him. Now, since Jeremiah was born into a priest's family... He would expect to just go right into the family business and become a priest himself. That's what he was probably planning on. And that's just God's typical plan according to the law of Moses. You're from the line of the priesthood. You're just going to go right into it. But God had other plans for Jeremiah. Something much more difficult. I want you to listen to these words from a great preacher who's passed now. His name is Warren Wearsby. Listen to these words about the difference between a priest and a prophet. The priest had his ministry all laid out for him. But the ministry of a prophet was quite another matter. Because you never knew from one day to the next what the Lord would call you to say or do. The priest worked primarily to preserve the past by protecting and maintaining the sanctuary ministry. But the prophet labored to change the present so the nation would have a future. Priest Priests dealt with externals, such as determining ritual uncleanness and offering various sacrifices that could never touch the hearts of people, but the prophet tried to reach and change hearts. Priests didn't preach to the crowds very much, but ministered primarily to individuals with various ritual needs. Prophets, on the other hand, addressed whole nations, and usually the people they addressed didn't want to hear the message. Priests belonged to a special tribe and therefore had authority and respect, but a prophet could come from any tribe and had to prove his divine call. 
Priests were supported from the sacrifices and offerings of the people, but prophets had no guaranteed income. Jeremiah would have had a much easier time serving as a priest. Therefore, it's no wonder his first response was to question God's call. Offering sacrifices was one thing, but preaching the word to hard-hearted people, well, that's quite something else. You know, it's interesting. It's usually the hard thing that God wants us to do. Have you ever noticed that in your life? It's usually the harder thing, the harder choice that God wants you to do. So young people, be willing to do the hard thing. You know, as we see here, Jeremiah was drafted. He was not volunteered into this work. Before I formed you, I knew you, and you're going to do this. I set you apart, and you are ordained for this work. Like so many people in the Bible, they weren't looking for a calling from God. No, thank you, God. That's fine. I appreciate you calling me, but I, you know, I don't really necessarily want that. We're going to see it in a minute. And you know what? God might do this with you. Everybody in here has been formed by God. Your parts are formed by God for a special purpose. Your mind is formed by God for a special purpose. There are unchangeables in our life that God has put there because before, before we were even formed, we were birthed in the mind of God. And he has a plan and he has a calling and he has something for everybody in this room to do for him. God might just call you one day. He may ask you to be the one who stands out where you live. He might, be, he might come to you and ask you to be the one that stands out for him at work. Or he might be the one that asks you to stand out and stand up where you go to school. But the good thing about being called by God, and Jeremiah had to get this in his heart. The good thing about being called and drafted instead of volunteering is that you're not motivated by human results. See, when, when you get called by God, you just keep going. You just do what God says to do no matter the results. Who cares what happens? Who cares who listens? Who cares who doesn't listen? I don't have to worry about that. That's not my job. My job is just to do what God told me to do. It's to weep and it's to say the words of God. And all of us are called to something, formed for something, sanctified for something, ordained for something. Here's the question. How do we find out what that is? Three quick things for us as we think about that. Number one, how do we find out what God is calling us to do? First of all, we do what we already know to do. That's your first step. Follow God's word that you already know. What do you know you're supposed to do? Well, read the word and do that. Let's follow that. Start there. Number two, pray. Pray for God's leading. Beg him, God, what are you asking me to do? What do you want me to do? In my life, in my situation, where I live, in my family, wherever I am, what do I do? And then number three, just start doing what God has put in front of you to do. This is not really complicated. Do what you know to do, pray and ask God for his leading, and then just start doing what God has put in front of you to do. Some confuse a calling with a vocation. People say, you know what, about being a pastor or being a missionary or something like that, and God may call you to do that. 
But you know, a calling and a vocation are not always the same thing. Most people called to ministry uh, don't even think about the money aspect at all at first. They just know they've been called by God. There's nothing in this for Jeremiah saying, go and make sure people pay you to do this. It's just go do this. And anybody who senses and has felt the call of God on their life, that's really how it usually begins. Lord, I just know that I know that you want me to do this. And I'm just going to do it. And once you know that God has put something on your life to do wherever you live, you just go do it. With such a huge calling for Jeremiah, there was a response that he had. God says, I have ordained you before I, before I formed you. I have a plan for you. And here was Jeremiah's response. It was fear. Fear. Let's look at the fear of Jeremiah. Verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, <laughs> behold, I cannot speak. For I am a child. I'm a child. Here is a 20 or 21-year-old guy, maybe younger. So who could blame him? I have ordained you a prophet to the nations. To the nations. Uh, <clears throat> ah, 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 Lord God, ah. I, I would like to have been there when Jeremiah repeated that and see the tone of voice in this ah. Because it could be ah. Or it could be, ah, I don't know the ah, but it was, you certainly see it here. I, I, ah, I, I cannot speak. Lord, I cannot speak. I am a child. I know nothing. I'm just, a, I'm just an idiot. I'm young. I know, I'm just very piquito knowledge. I have nothing. But God is not pleased with that answer. God is not pleased with that kind of an answer when he calls someone. We see that in other places in Scripture. You remember the calling of Moses. Moses. You remember that. He had to twist his arm. I, I, I have a stuttering problem, God. And you know I have a stuttering problem. And so, God, I can't do this. And God was not happy with that. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. He was called. There was a similar calling for Isaiah, but not totally the same. Isaiah felt unworthy of the call. He said, I am unclean. Jeremiah felt incapable. He said, I am a child. And boy, those, are, those two are so the feelings that so many of us have when God wants us to do something for him, speak up for him, or do something for him. I, I, I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm just unworthy. I can't, I, that's not me. Or like Jeremiah, I'm, I'm a child. I'm incapable. I just don't have what it takes. That's not what God said. It may sound humble at first, but there, and there is a level of humility that we really need. And I do commend Jeremiah, obviously, for not just being, oh, yeah, sounds easy, God, let's do it. And obviously, this is why God knew this young man was humble. But God, when we see humility, sometimes God may see faithlessness. Faithlessness. You can do this. We're going to see here in just a moment, God tell him that, listen, you and I, you can give honor to that husband because God has called you to do that, ladies. You can love your wife as Christ loved the church, gentlemen, because God has called you to do that. 
You can read the Bible together as a family, Dad. Because God has called you to do that. You can win someone to Christ because God has called you to do that. You can be a giver because God has called you to do that. You can be joyful even when the pain is intense because God has called you to trust him. We say, I cannot. I am a child. I cannot. But God says, you can. Our merciful God, though, in his answer to Jeremiah, doesn't berate Jeremiah, doesn't beat him over the head with that. He sets him straight here, but then he reassures him, just as a merciful God always does. Look at the reassurance for Jeremiah, verses 7 through 9. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. Don't say that. Do not say that. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. It's it's not usually humility. It's not often humility. It's faithlessness. Our natural tendency is to look at life, you know, with practical eyes. And this is exactly, if I was Jeremiah, let me just say, I'm not throwing him under the bus because I identify with Jeremiah 100% here. I would look at life through practical eyes so easily because it's just what we do as humans. And I would look at it and say, God, I am a child. I cannot do this. I am incapable. It will not work. I just, I've thought it through. I've strategized in my head. And this is not going to work. What you've called me to do it's not going to work. And maybe in my, in my own human smarts that I think I have, maybe it's not going to work like I think it's going to work. But that's not the point. And God says, say not, I am a child. That doesn't matter. And do not be afraid of their faces. Do not fear. Do not fear. This is not about human results. It's about you doing what I want you to do and me delivering you when you need me to. Just do what I say and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Jeremiah. Now, I got to step back here for just a minute. And usually when someone says, don't be afraid, it makes me more afraid. Like, you know, a few times, you know, you go to the forest or whatever, and you're going to go for a little hike or you go somewhere and and the people say, listen, uh, don't be afraid of the bears. As you go out there, okay? Just make yourself bigger than them and holler and, and you know, bang on things and, and they'll, they'll go away from you. Listen, I've been trying to make myself bigger since I was a little guy, all right? I, I can't do that. When, when someone says, oh, yeah, have fun, hike, it's no big deal, just don't be afraid. Uh, that makes me more afraid. Usually, that's the case. But when God says it, we can fully Believe it. A hundred percent. Do not be afraid. There's something I have told you that you need to do in the Bible. If there's something I have given you to do, if there's something I have ordained you to do, then do it and do not be afraid. Step up. There was a missionary in the 1980s and 90s. He went to Colombia, a very, very hard place to be a missionary. 
And he was dealing with all kinds of issues, the cartels, drug cartels being a big part of what he had to deal with. One day, he was gunned down and killed by those cartels. But before he died, there was something that he said. Here's his exact words. He said, I know that I am immortal until I finish the work God has called me to do. I am immortal until God is done with me, basically, until I finish the work that God's called me to do. That's the same for everybody in here. We are immortal until we finish the work that God's called us to do. And that's it for all of us. Do not be afraid of their faces. Do not be afraid of the faces of people at your job. Do not be afraid of the faces of people at your school. Do not be afraid of the faces of people in your family. Just follow the Lord. He is with you to deliver you. For Jeremiah, standing before influential and intimidating people, that was going to be his life. I'm sure he was like everybody else, and he would rather just um, talk about the weather and happy times and not rock the boat. I don't want to rock the boat. And, and uh, you know, hey, King, how you doing? How's everything? Hope everything's good. How's the family? That's great. But that wasn't his calling. He was a prophet to the nations. And for Jeremiah, standing before those men, it was going to be very, very difficult. And this is why God mentioned their faces. Because faces show contempt and faces show so much intimidation. By the way, anybody who has to speak in front of people knows the faces are scary. Look at all your faces looking up at me. Jeremiah, though, had to get it in his head that his life was going to be a faith walk. It was just going to be a faith walk. Every day, he was going to have to just do what God told him to do. Don't expect everybody to love me. California isn't going to just make everything easy and rosy for me, is it? But just trust God and don't give up. To help Jeremiah really get this, here's what God does. Verse 9, then the Lord, I love this. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth, ordained as a prophet to the nations. Again, Isaiah's mouth was touched also with coals because he felt unclean. Jeremiah's mouth was touched by the hand of God because he felt incapable. All we need is a touch from God. No matter your feelings of lack, God specializes in taking what's weak and making something powerful because of his touch. Just read this passage. I would challenge anybody to, when you read something like this, stop for a minute. Close your eyes and begin to think. Think of God touching your mouth or touching your hands, or touching your mind, or touching your resources, or touching your countenance, or touching your family. That image is so powerful. Lord, that you would touch my family, or touch me in some way. You know, once God's hand has touched something, it, it's no longer the same. It's never the same again. It gives a human instrument new meaning. 
It's no longer just a mouth. It's an instrument for God's word. It's no longer just a family. It's a generational legacy maker. It's no longer just a hand. It's a tool for the kingdom of God. It's no longer just a dollar. It's a resource for gospel proclamation all over the world. It's no longer just stuff. It's no longer just material. When God touches something, it it has special power. It's a new instrument. It has new power. When the Lord touches something, it can't stay what it always was. So pray for the hand of God on your life. This is a challenge to everybody in here. What is it that you need the hand of God to touch? Pray that. God, touch this. Touch this. Touch me. When the Lord touches something, it can't stay what it always was. Now lastly, I want want you to see this in verse 10. God outlines Jeremiah's mission. Here is your mission, Jeremiah, verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Wow. What a thing for Jeremiah to keep in his mind when he walked into throne rooms where the kings sat high on their, on their thrones. God has set me over the nations and kingdoms. Look what it says. I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. God has set me over the nations and over the kingdoms. You know, we get so caught up in all these earthly forces here in America and how powerful they are and we look around us and it seems hopeless and we look around us and it seems like just so much going wrong and they seem so powerful and unstoppable but let me just declare this morning that God's word is over nations and it is over kingdoms and it is over leaders. So whenever we speak, amen, that's... Whenever we speak God's word, whenever God's word is coming out of our mouth, something from the pages of Scripture is coming out of our mouth, we are speaking something above kings and above the rulers and above presidents. Jeremiah was to walk into castles, walk into oval offices with God's authority and not be intimidated. And then God says, here's what you do when you walk in there. You root out, you pull down, you destroy, and you throw down. And then you build. And then you plant. Now notice in this list, there are six things there. Four are negative, and two are positive. Jeremiah's call really was to speak twice as much negative prophecies, if you will, and, and a positive prophecy as well. He, he, he had a job to do, but it was going to be a lot of negative. And unfortunately, there is a time that that has to happen. It's a shame when pastors or God's people will not stand up and speak and say what needs to be said. And when they will not root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. You know, and I know you, you folks appreciate this, and I know that's why you're here, but 
Your pastor, Pastor Tim, is not afraid to root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. And that is a wise, wise pastor who's listening to God in his time. God will have him one day build and plant. Jeremiah did some of that. You'll, we'll see it in the book of Jeremiah. But you can't build and plant until you root out and destroy. Jeremiah had a mission of demolition. The nations of Israel and Judah, they needed a demolition of sin before there could be a rebuilding. Jeremiah is one of the greatest examples of faithfulness and obedience in the face of physical danger that he faced personally and in national decay. This man uh, gives us so much uh, relevance and so much hope for what we're supposed to be doing today. Did you know Jeremiah even spent some time in jail for obeying God just for what he said and lots of time, and lots of time, lots of time being hated by everybody. I can't help but think that we came mighty close in 2000 or 2020 to jailing pastors in America. We came this close in regard to the COVID issue. They did jail pastors in Canada. We're living in a new world. And this is time for Christians to not run, but be faithful, be obedient, be like Jeremiah, to weep for our nation, but to stand up and do our part, to speak the word of God and to say what we need to say in truth and in love and with passion. But it all begins with us as I close here. Listen to this, please. It all begins here. We cannot build and plant in our own life until we root out and destroy what's ever in here. If there is sin in my own heart, if there are things that I'm dealing with that are holding me back, if there's something that needs to be rooted out and torn down, then I need to do that. So my question is, what does God need to root out in your life so that he can build and plant and then use you and me for his work? It's a constant thing to come before the Lord and say, God, would you root out? The weeds are starting again. Those weeds are coming through. And somebody has said in the past, it's holiness is a harvest. Meaning holiness is, gar is like gardening. It's a constant thing. It's a constant thing that you have to tend every day. We read the word of God. We ask God to search, take his light and search our heart for sin. We never, we never let our consciences get so hardened that we're not uh, sensitive to, to sin in our life. Don't walk away this morning. This is, my, this is my request to everybody here. Don't walk away without asking God to search your heart, to see if there's any fault lines under the surface. If there's any fault lines about ready to give, don't do business as usual. Say, I'm fine, I'm good. God wants to do a work in my heart, we ought to be open to it. All you need to do is bring it before the Lord. Be honest with him. And Jesus will help root out and destroy so that he can rebuild. Rebuild. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church 
and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.